0: That, but I tell you what, I'm tremendously blessed. Those two young ladies, yeah. young girls, giving it all to God. Amen. Um, I want to I want to give a, another prayer request. We're going to pray for this. Uh, I had with all the prayer requests coming in, I have a tendency to forget things sometimes, but not because ultimately I did. Um, John and Sandy, their um, daughter Kathy, just um, this week found out that her house was burnt completely down to the ground. Um, and so as a church, we're going to continue to reach out, find out what needs are there. But we want to just lift her up in prayer. He said that when I had last talked to him that she was so broken about it that she couldn't hardly even share the details with him. And you guys could all imagine Christmas, home, um, this time of the year, all of that, how heartbreaking that is. And I know there's a lot of people around the world that are losing their homes. For various things that are going on so let's lift them up they're a part of our family um, and if you haven't really gotten to know John and sandy they're they're people to get to know and when they're here give them a hug let them know you love them but let's pray for them right now before we go any further yeah. father again we just want to lift up your uh, lift up to you Lord we know that this isn't our request Lord this is your your request this is your heart already to ours and father we just wanted to mirror back your heart in this time, we want to mirror back your promises to this family. Lord, we know that, God, devastation happens to people. Lord, there's no way around that. Lord, we know that hardship comes. And, Father, even in those trials, Lord, somehow you have said to us in your word to consider it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into. And so, Lord, this is a time where it's hard to describe the the difficulty in a human sense. But, Lord, when we can see things from your vantage point, it changes every way that we look at the earth around us and our world and the temporal things that we have. So, Lord, right now we just pray for Kathy that she would be fed in her spirit with the eternal riches that are in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray no losses spiritually, no losses, Lord, emotionally, Lord, ultimately, Lord. We pray that God this time, Lord, would not be just heavy for her, but lift her up, Lord. Lift her up in her humble circumstances. Lift her up in God. Embrace her, Lord, with people who will love her embrace her lord with those who will be there in her time of need embrace her with more than just the family that god um, is flesh and blood to her but embrace her with the family of god around her somewhere lord i pray christians father that will reach out we're in this time when we're giving presents to our own homes and our own children and in our own families god help us lord in this moment to see god that there's a greater lord glory in being able to give to those that have no relation to us but, Lord, other than the fact that they were Adam's seed, God, they were born from the bloodline of the very first man that was ever created. And for that very reason, Lord, we want to give our heart to them. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, this church can be a blessing to her. I pray others, Lord. I pray richly, Lord, provide for her, God. Bring the tears, Lord, that flow from the heart that's been touched by the love of Jesus, the love of God that meets the needs, Lord, all around us. And, Lord, shows us, God, that your greatest need is for us to give our hearts to you. And, Lord, every need met in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray, God, for John and Sandy. Lord, when they feel, Lord, so much, I'm sure that John wants to be there. Lord, and perhaps he is, Lord. And I am not aware of it. But, God, we want to be there in ways that we can't. But Lord, we want to take the emotion and bring joy and hope, Lord, where it seems like it's been crushed. But, Lord, there's, there's something beautiful about people that will reach out, Lord, in tears It will be with their tears and a heart, Lord, that just shows how faithful you are to us, Lord, in reaching out through the mouth and the hands of others and we give you praise in Jesus name in Jesus name amen oh, got me all all prayed up I'm ready to I don't know if I'm ready to preach I love the prayer time you know God God does something at least for me when I when I take some time to be able to pray I feel like there's times when um like for me these prayer requests I only get to touch the surface really to be able to pray I want to pray I like I could take each one of them and, and break it up into thirty minutes an hour and just feel like I could pray over that and feel like God's heart and his mind and his word. I can't tell you how important it is to have this book, the Bible, the Word of God rich inside of you while you pray, but I just feel like the Lord inspires his word and I, I can't tell you why it comes to me like that because while I'm praying, the Scriptures just flow. The thought will hit me. I thought about something and the Scripture that goes with it. And I feel like when I pray the Word of God, I'm praying the heart of God back to Him. And one of the things about it for me is is that I see this. I see that God is completely faithful in the way that He's revealed Himself. That if you want to know and have an assurance of what God wants to do, you just have to go to His Word. You have to know, Lord, is this the passage that fits this situation and this person at this time? And then there's something about how the Holy Spirit, we don't want to be barren and without the Holy Spirit, how he reveals to us in our heart and in our spirit that this is the direction to pray. And it's so powerful because sometimes I just don't know how to get over the fact, the impression that God lays on my heart and the deep and earnest love that I feel at the moment. Anyway, I want to encourage you guys with that. Let's look into this as Christmas sets us apart. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> Last week we sang the song, um, Make Room in Your Heart. And I didn't realize until we were singing it this morning that it actually has a line in there that um, to set us apart, that we will be set apart. And I didn't realize that this, this sermon would greatly fit that song again this week. But <laughs> it did. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 20 in verse 44. Verses 26 through verses 44. I want you to capture this story. I want you to really see this. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering these ponderings uh, of what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, For nothing will be impossible with God. Let's say that one more time. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, or a bondservant. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Indeed. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me? And the mother of my Lord would come to to me, for behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, and the baby leaped in my womb for joy, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. I can't tell you how amazing that story is as we listen to it. The account and the narrative of the real event. One more time. The account and the narrative of the real event that actually took place. This is not a story as a make-believe or a fable. It's, it's an actual event that took place. We remember that Mary was a virgin, and she conceived miraculously the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit did that. Amazing, Elizabeth in her old age, is now having John the Baptist, which will be her son, that's going to be the one who's going to proclaim the Lord and his coming. And she's going to share that with the world. And so I don't know what that felt like. I'm just trying to get a picture of what it would be like for a baby to leap inside of a mother's um, womb. I can't imagine what that would be like for her. But she recognized it. And notice it said, when that happened, the Holy Spirit filled her as a confirmation. So let me share a few things with you today as we think about this Christmas uh, story and this Christmas narrative. The narrative of our passage is filled with what God did that transcends human understanding. As you read through this, you're, you're realizing that there's a whole lot that God in this picture is doing that transcends our understanding. You don't have a way of explaining it. You don't have a way. Science doesn't have a method for helping us comprehend it at all. Let's look at a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. So when we see God doing things that transcends human understanding, we read this story. Here's a few things that we can take note of and think about. One, Number one, this shows the limit to human understanding. It just shows us that we're finite. It reveals to us that when, when we think of God, we have to realize that we always, um, our understanding of things is so finite, so mi- minuscule, that to really look at God for who He is is really beyond us, in a sense. Number two, often what God does requires our full trust while He unfolds His perfect plan. There's a sense here where you see God by miracle and God by prophecy revealing things, to make it so that it's so certain. But there's also this hiddenness. There's this silence that seems to be like as if God's quiet in this moment. And there's a lot of times, a lot of points here that I would say would spark not only Mary's curiosity, but my own if I were in her story. If I were living this in her place, I would be wondering a lot of things. Timing would be one of them. Why this time? Why? And and all of the situations knowing that she's going to go through different struggles within it why me? how could it be me? there's so many others that God could choose why me we'll get into that here in a, in a few number two. number two often what God does requires our full trust while we unfold his while he unfolds his perfect plan notice there it's it's not that you get to see it you just get to believe it the moment you trust god that's that's the the crux of the christian faith is that we believe that he's so faithful that he can't he can't fail us in any way so we're certain that all we need to do is trust him he'll map it out in the end again thank you for again if you want to you shout out your amens or raise your hands for a can you give that point one more time there will be things that i will <laughs> you want that point one more time brother Number one, shows the limit to human understanding. Shows the limit to human understanding. So when God does things that transcends human understanding, it shows the limit to human understanding. Number three, the point is, the point is we don't always have to know what he's doing because we know him and trust him completely. I was actually going to and forgot to, I was going to get a glass of water to illustrate this point. And I would take that and I would have one of you that would volunteer to do so, I'd have you either close your eyes or blindfold. you probably just close your eyes and then probably take one of the men in this one, because I feel like i I feel like it'd be even a better, better s- s- illustration on my part. But what I would do is, is I'd hold that glass of water over you. And I'd ask you, do you trust me? Even though you can't see what in the world I'm doing and what I'm about to do, do you trust me? And I could probably tip that glass to where it's just about ready to drop onto your head, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't know I was doing it. You wouldn't know what I was even doing, in front, even doing in place. I might not even let you see that I had a glass of water. But the fact that you trust me means that you don't have to know what I'm doing. And I just want to illustrate the fact that when God transcends our human understanding through what he's doing... And sometimes the complications that we face is what I had shared last week. Those struggles that you go through are things that God knows what he's bringing you and how he's taking you there. You know, sometimes having a passenger on the side, they have the map. They know the direction. You just got to listen to them. And so this is a time, especially when we reflect on the Christmas story, that the message to our own hearts is, I don't know what God is doing oftentimes, but I do know I can trust him. Here's another one. The Christmas story is packed with the favor of God. When you read this story, I don't know of anything in the Bible that expresses more the favor of God than it is to Mary and to Joseph. Elizabeth expresses it well to say that, who am I, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Mary, prob- probably previous to this, was a friend, an endeared relative to uh, Mary, but at this moment, she's more than that. She is now the one who carries in her womb the very living Son of God. So this now puts her in a place of royalty that you can't even imagine in a sense. Of how can such a humble woman, such even a human being, carry about uh, the Son of God? And the reason to think about this is that the Christmas story is packed with the favor of God. Let's look in John chapter 15, verse 16. Hear what God says. I love in the, the song, Mary, did you know that when you have kissed your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. John chapter 15, verse 16. said you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give it to you that's what I call favor God has given each of us in this building and people that are not here with us today he's given each of us the will the, the same promises that he did not you did not choose him but he chose you why did he choose you Did you have something special to bring on board? Did you have something that was favorable to God in a special way above other people? Did Mary have something unique and special about her that favored the will of God above any other woman? I'm sure that God could have chosen many, but that's the uniqueness of the handpick of God, that he doesn't pick because you have all the qualities in place. He picks because it's his sovereign and his mind over you. He could have picked somebody else but you but he picked you. And that's so important to remember that it isn't just that God that that everybody else gets what God's favored me with. So if God favors you in a particular way, remember that and cherish that and hold on to that. And it says of Mary that she pondered these things in her heart. I can only imagine what that pondering would have looked like. And I can't tell you what it was because the Bible doesn't tell us what she was thinking about. It wasn't saying all those other things. But if you read from verse 46 to 56, you'll get a little bit of a picture of what she was thinking, what was going on in her mind. And I love this part in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded for the humble state of his bond slave. And behold, From this time on, all generations will count me blessed. See, God just wants to do things in your life because he loves you. God wants to do things in your life because he's amazing. God wants to do things in your life because that's how he proves himself. God, he doesn't need you to approve of it. He doesn't need you to decide that you like it or not. He doesn't need you to say to him whether you feel like, you're the good pick for it or not, many times God will favor you and you will say, I don't think I'm qualified. I don't think I'm qualified for what God has favored me from. And please don't take a time to waste your time looking for the qualifications. God raised up a Moses that couldn't speak and God found a way to make him speak. God raises up people that are fallible, people that are broken, people that are weak, people that are just human and he finds a way to show himself perfect on our behalf. And he does this for his own glory. There will be times where you say, I don't understand why I was the one that made it out and they didn't. I can't tell you all of that. But what I can tell you is a sovereign God who has an authority of the universe takes, takes all things into perspective before events take place. And if he spared your life for a specific purpose, you only know that down the road that you are to meet a divine qualification that only he knows about for the time being. He'll reveal it in his time. But remember, He set you apart. Favor tells us this, that God has set you apart. Mary knew from that day moment that she couldn't just be Mary, so to speak. She had to be a mother to the Son of God. She had to care for the baby child of God in a very special way. Ladies, I hear this all the time. Mothers say, you know, I'm... You know how moms, they just worry about their kids all the time. Well, this is one kid that you're going to spend a great percentage of your life worrying about if you're not careful, because this is one that has a specific destiny in the world, a very specific purpose. But ladies, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your kids. I want you to think about how God may be placing his favor on their life, and they're not the son of God, but that doesn't mean that God isn't specifically choosing them for something special, and that you bore in your womb a child maybe multiple children that god has a very special purpose for think about your behavior think about how you act think about how you treat them think about how you what you do in front of them maybe not to them but in front of them and then embrace embrace the will of god that your calling is to not be your son or your daughter your your uh, calling is to be an example to them be a faithful example to them. Be uh, in a, almost, you would say, in a, a perfect example to them. Even though we can't carry that, we give it our very best. And we know that God will do his best in us, too. We can never limit what God can do through us. Why would God pick me? So the favor here. And after reading John chapter 15, verse 16, so why would God pick me? What God does is outside of our accomplishment. When God does something outside of our accomplishment, he produces not just trust, but humility. So God isn't just trying to get us to trust Him. He wants us to humbly realize that He's the one that's giving us what we have. So when you see during this Christmas season, our family was richly blessed. Somebody wrote out a check for us for a good amount of money. And I realized the blessing of that wasn't because I earned it. It wasn't because I deserved it. And it produced humility in me because I feel like from that, you know, we say a lot of times, I feel bad. Let's put aside the I feel bad and let's say, I feel like there's a gracious love toward those and, for, and wherever he, um, somebody has favored. And where God has favored you, give him back gracious love. Give him gracious love. The love that embraces him. The love that gets up early in the morning and says, you know what, despite my day, I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend time with God. The love that says, Lord, you have favored me with life in ways, and health, in ways that many have not. And you have given that to me, especially for your divine purpose. And as much as I may have wasted it up to this day, oh God, I won't do it now. Embrace him with gracious love. What God does that is outside of our accomplishment produces not just trust, but humility. This story is also loaded with the miraculous signs and wonders. Let's look at Isaiah 41, verse 9 and 10. You are my servant. I have chosen you and I have, I, I have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, he says he chose us. That's pretty awesome. God has a work Overcoming uh, God has at, God is at work overcoming the fears that happen along the way. When you read the story of of Mary and you see the miraculous signs and wonders that God gives, one of the things that you have to realize is that God is overcoming fears that happen along the way. Without a miracle in place of a lot of situations, folks, you know what I'm talking about. If God didn't do a miracle in this scenario, fear would be the road that I would travel. I need I need to know. God's handiwork in different ways. And it may be just the fact that providence, and not a miraculous thing, but providence in its own way is miraculous to me because God gets behind the scenes. He gets in the situation with you. You're not just in that car alone. You're not just riding along the storm all by yourself. God is there with you whether you see him there in the moment or not. And so in those moments when things are apprehensive and difficult, God is there to overcome those fears, whether it's by miracle or it's by the the transition of the circumstance to help you along the way. But in this situation where we see Mary having the miracles of Gabriel visiting and uh, the Lord putting by the power of the Holy Spirit conceiving in her miraculously the Christ child. And you see Elizabeth that has this baby in her old age and now she's being anointed and filled with God in such a way as miraculously to speak into her life. And so she knows, and this is what's interesting, she knows that Mary is with child, and she knows that it's Jesus without any foreknowledge of it because God's revealing it in the moment. That's miraculous to me. And so all of this is so that Mary can look on this and say the trail of, of miracle after miracle and the way that God has integrated himself into the situation in my life has helped calm all my fears and doubts and worries along the way. Secondly, God, the story is filled with miraculous signs and wonders because God makes sure that hardship doesn't tell the story that's not his own. Who wants me to repeat that one? God makes sure that hardship doesn't tell the story that's not his own. You know, as as we say, there's there's no way to escape suffering oftentimes. You're going to go through it. As a matter of fact, sometimes the Bible promises you that. It says, arm yourself to suffer. It tells us that that. But this is the thing, is that he wants to make sure that when you have seen the final end, whatever he does, that you know what his story is. And miraculous signs and wonders, oftentimes God carries into our experience of life because he's just confirming that what is your struggle is, is, be, is not beyond my power, and I'm still working my power to bring all things into order so that you know what I'm doing, that you understand what I'm preserving. You understand what my goal and will is. And how many of us sometimes feel like we're in the dark when it comes to the will of God? So God has to do something to make sure that you know what is his direction in life. Lord, How many of you have prayed that? you said, Lord, if it's not your will, please don't let it come to pass. And then next you find out it didn't work out. and You're like, well, I know what God's will is. Do you know that God performed a miracle to make that happen? It didn't just happen. happen stands, and some of us, gets caught into that. The last thing is, is that God, by doing signs, gives us signs and wonders. He contradicts fears with impossibilities. He takes what is impossible and he does it. And he contradicts every fear with it. When you see the impossible happen in front of you, I remember the man, I've told you the story before, his name was Tom Cox, and he was diagnosed with terminal prostate cancer. He had six months to live. That's what the doctors gave him. And you know how oftentimes the doctors give you six months and you don't live that six months? Every now and then you live longer than that, but I think that's still the hand of God. But the reality was, is he was facing one of the most difficult situations in his life. Well, I know if... If most people that experience a cancer story of you've got cancer, all of a sudden the fear comes. But when God took that man and he healed him in a church, and I remember he came up front. And that's what, you know, when I tell you, folks, come up front. When I say take time in front of the altar, you may not even, I don't know why, but I just want to come to the altar. I feel compelling in my spirit because God does miracles at an altar. God does it. This is just a podium. I mean, it's a platform to you, but it's a place where God does miracles on right in that moment. And so that man came up front, and they prayed for him. And I remember him saying, he said, I felt from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, I felt a heat rush through my body. And he said, instantaneously, I knew. How did he know? He knew because God made it real to him somehow. This, the Spirit of God can witness with our spirit things that no one else can communicate but God. And he said, I knew I was healed. And then he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you're healed. But what does God do through that? He contradicted every fear that that man had. And I watched that man glow. I watched the change in his, his whole expression. And in his life was now all about service to God. And why wouldn't it be? I love that. His story, his life, I'll forever remember him. So along with the miraculous, the Christmas story flows with prophecy. So you have the miraculous of prophecy. I actually talked to a guy. I was at work, and he's an atheist. He says, "I don't believe in God." And I said, "Well, what about the miraculous?" And he he, he believed in Jesus. He believed that he was a he was a re, he actually existed, but he just didn't believe that he was God. He believed that the history of Jesus, which Honestly, folks, you can't get past that if you're going to look at real history. You might not believe that he was God, but you can definitely believe that he existed and he was here on earth. There's too much to tell you that much. He said, I believe in him. And he even believed that he did miracles, but he still didn't believe that he was God. But then when prophecy came up and the idea of prophecy, he was like, if he actually prophesied, then he would be God. I was like, Miraculous doesn't convince you, but prophecy does. All I'm trying to say in that is, is, that when we really think about it, that when there are there are places in our life where we cannot really get past, and for him it was prophecy, and I think prophecy is is pretty powerful because it is telling and foretelling events before they happen. It's telling you what is going to happen before it happens. Now I will say this: be careful. Over television and radio and all others, there are people who will claim to be prophets, and what they say does not come to pass. But what saddens me the most is Christians will still follow them. Why? Why would you follow somebody who claims to be prophetic, have a gift of prophecy, and then when they give you a prophecy, it doesn't come to pass? And then they do it again. Now the second time, maybe the first time, you know, shame on them. Second time, shame on you. And I say that because Jesus doesn't make a mistake when he gives somebody a prophecy to share with somebody. So there are people who are like, I don't have that gift. God hasn't given me a prophecy. So be it. But he still does. He still does. So here's a few thoughts behind that. Let's look at Proverbs verses 3, 5 through 6. Along with the miraculous, the Christmas story flows with prophecy. So Elizabeth is prophesying to her, the angel of the Lord is foretelling what's going to happen. Mary's believing it. She's not seeing it yet, but she's believing it, at least in parts of it. Proverbs verses chapter three verses five and six, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. In God's infinite knowledge, he knows our needs, our need for clarity. Now, you may not have a prophecy, but you'll have clarity. There will be times when God will give a prophecy because he wants to make sure that there's no question. But there's also times when it's explicit from the Bible itself. God needs not give you a prophecy of something that's already in the Bible. Like, just read it. Like, shall I go ahead and commit adultery? No, you shall not, because it's already written right here in the Bible. So you don't need a prophecy of... This is not a person to be with. You shall not go live with so-and-so. That's not a need. It's already written in the Bible. But the truth is, is that God gives clarity. It's either through his word or with prophecy. And that's so important because you need to know. Mary needed to know. The direction she was going was the direction God wanted her to go in. So here's a few points under that. He personally makes sure that there's no question about the priorities. There's some things that when you read this story, that it doesn't really, God doesn't explain. He doesn't give a prophecy. He doesn't foretell. He doesn't give anything. It's like as if he's in silence. So God makes sure that there's clarity on his priorities. When it comes to his will, this is essential. There's other things that you may be able to walk around with questions and not hinder the will of God in your life. There's a lot of people with questions out there. And, they, and there's, what's really weird is, is some of the questions they have, Like, really, that question is what's preventing you from becoming a Christian? Or that question is is really what prevents you from trusting God in this matter? Um, I don't really see that as being a necessity to question God over those things. But people will do so. And so what you'll see here is that God intervenes himself very specifically, very powerfully with prophecy to make sure that there's no question about his priorities. Not necessarily your priorities, but his priorities. God also gives us prophecy, or he did with her, to to show he's capable of leading in his will. He capably leads us in his will. And lastly, he makes sure that his end goal is not obscured by our ignorance. I love that point. He makes sure that his end goal is not obscured by our ignorance. That's why this book is first and foremost, because people are looking for prophecy where the Bible already makes it plain, and they don't even know it because they don't read his prophecy. It's like what? This is a lot of prophecy to mankind. This is God saying what he wants to say to us. But the, the end goal behind the word of God and the prophecy of the prophets is simply that he doesn't want it to be obscured. Nobody's going to be able, after this event, after Christmas story with Mary, to be able to say, ultimately, that they have proof that Jesus is not the Son of God. There's too much prophecy filling in the gaps. Too many things that are being said before it happens to reveal that this is truly the Christmas, the real Christmas story. And this is the Savior of the world, and no other will be but Jesus. Our narrative is clothed with confirmation and mystery. I had to put that one in there. I had to put it in there that there's this sense of God's given confirmation, God's given miraculous, and he's also, there's this sense of mystery here. There's pieces of this that, like I said at the beginning, why would God? And there is, when you read the whole story, is why would God? Why would he pick this time, this event, these people, these situations? Why would God? And the world is filled with that wonder. And yet at the same time, we look at his story that has that same wonder in here, and God's not ashamed to tell you and the world around us that there's much that's going to happen around you that you're not going to know what I'm doing. There's so many times my kids have said, Dad, why? I'm like, you don't need to know why. It's just this is how it is. Go forward with it. And I know why, and it's not going to hurt you in the end. So just put it, put it into practice at least. You'll see. You'll see. So our narrative is clothed with confirmation mystery on one, because God leads the way with what we need the most. See, the the mystery is something that God's basically saying, you have mystery here and you don't need to know. You don't need to know, so just keep going. But then there's confirmation or there's miracles or there's ways God's working in ways that makes it real to you because that's what you need. That's what you need. And some people are looking for a sign and wonder, and God's like, I'm not giving that one to you. You don't need it right now. And I'm infinitely wise knowing you don't. So here's a few thoughts on that. His silence craves a yearning heart. When you feel like there's silence, it's just God calling you to greater hunger. I don't know how many times I've been in that place where I'm starving, I'm so hungry. And so when you're hungry, what do you crave? You crave food. And so when you sense that there's silence, God's just stirring up the craving of a yearning heart. And His inner... His intervention commands obedient love. So when God's intervening in special ways, and it's not that silent time for you. It's not that I don't know what God's doing. That's when it commands obedient love. When God's doing something to lift you up, that means get on board with Him. That means cooperate with Him. Walk with Him. Share that moment with Him. Don't let it pass. There's times God's doing some amazing things, and we just let it flop. Like, there's times when I felt like the Holy Spirit ministering to my heart to pray for somebody, and I was right in the middle of a meal. And I, I stopped eating in that moment. I'm like, I feel this, what I kind of call it is the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, solemnness. I feel a solemnness in my spirit. And I'm thinking about somebody, and it's really hitting me. And so I'll stop eating. I, I won't even eat, and I'll be right there at the table. And as I feel like the the, the impression is deeper I'm like, God is speaking to my heart about somebody, and I don't want to ignore the moment. And then the next, you know, if you sit in a table in the moment where that happens, you see tears flowing down my eyes. And sometimes people will be talking, they don't even know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, somebody happens to look over at me, and they're like, you, you see that curiosity of what's going on with him. And the tears are flowing, because in the moment, God's given that to me. He's not given that to them. And so before long, I'll be like, I can't sit here any longer. i got to go find a room alone and pray and let my heart just release, just break before God and let the Holy Spirit pray out his prayers through me. And so the reason I say that is because that's an intervention that commanded my obedient love. Obedient love is simply, I'm going to set aside some time for you, Lord, in this moment of life. And God's revealing something through the word of God. Don't let the phone stop you in the middle of action. Let God speak to you. Let that phone ring. Shut it off and make sure its noise doesn't cancel out what God's trying to speak to your heart in the moment. There are some moments in your life that are profoundly the moment God wants to minister to you, and you're letting it go. You're letting it slide by, and God is showing you. You're feeling the ministry of His Spirit. You feel the warmth of His love. You feel the deep compassion of the Lord burning in your heart, and you let let it go. I remember one of the best things that I'd ever read was by Charles Finney on revivals of religion. And one of the things that he said about earnestness in prayer was simply that the Holy Spirit, when he begins to bring something to heart, that you have to entertain it. That's your part. And that as long as you entertain it, and this is what he said, as long as you do, God will give you as much of a spirit of prayer as you can physically bear. I absolutely believe that. I believe that sometimes people miss God because In that moment, the devil likes to catch those moments too. You get what I'm saying? There's a moment when you get distracted and you miss that moment. And I remember that was one of the best things for me because I remember there were times I would just be pouring my heart out to God and I felt the Lord ministering to me and ministering through me in that moment. And then it would get interrupted and then it would just go away. And then what I realized is if I I had continued to entertain what the Lord was bringing to mind, I would have continued to be able to bear that in prayer. But because somebody laid their hands on me or something was said or there's a distraction in the room that I let draw my mind away, then the impression also went away. And, folks, this is no different. This is no different than it is with a person we're communicating with. If I'm talking to my wife or Will over there in the back, just walking around aimlessly, we don't know what he's doing. Now, if I'm communicating with somebody, and then I draw my attention away and start talking to somebody else, that person immediately knows that this connection has been broken. There's no different with God, but he speaks to your spirit. And there's things intelligibly that you understand, but you realize my spirit is being impressed in my understanding at the same time. Once I divert my understanding away from or my mind away from God, he's no longer, that connection has been broken by my end, not on his. Lastly, the context of this story, and this is so important, is about Mary and Joseph. Why don't I get miracles? Why don't I get prophecy? Why don't I? You get what I'm saying? We want to see more from God. So here's the number one thought: God leads your, uh, how God leads your life depends on what He called you to. Simply, that in Mary's case, in Joseph's case here. That everything that was happening was based on God's leading, them. So when, you, when you're not, but if you were to ever have the Christ child born inside of you, and God was going to make sure that certain events took place in situations, he would make sure you had the same exact experiences. But he's going to do what he's going to do based on the context of your life. Here's another thought. The greater the calling, the greater the equipping. The greater the calling, the greater the equipping. I get the impression from some people that are going to sit in front of their television and bathe in front of who knows what, but not something God's inspiring, that they want the miraculous that the disciples walk in. We just want an outpouring of God's Spirit the same way. And there's no way God's doing that. There's nothing in the Word of God... God equipped his disciples with the miraculous because the the, the disciples were walking in a calling to share the gospel. They needed the miraculous as a part of that. The supernatural does not follow nominal Christians. Guaranteed. I promise you that. If you want to see God do something miraculously, you will not be a nominal Christian. You will not sit on the sidelines waiting for something to happen to you while you do nothing. And, And number four. His need above your need is what commands the miraculous. His need above your need is what commands the miraculous. I will share this with you. I think when it comes to human, our, our life, we want to see the miraculous because we want to feel the safekeeping of the miraculous for ourselves. And I'm careful when I say, if you need it, God will give it to you. Because I also know there are things that you need that God will not give to you because it's not his priorities that are most important to you. It's your priorities that are most important to you. And that selfishness is never invited once. I'm going to say it one more time. That selfishness has never invited once an answer to prayer. Never once. That's why God says in James, love that book, he says, you have not because you ask not. But then he goes back, almost as if to contradict something that Jesus said in Matthew, when Jesus said, you ask and you shall receive. And he says, in James, you ask and don't receive, that you may consume it on your lust. The motive of selfishness behind the prayer is oftentimes why people are struggling to find God answering their prayers. Whatever they're going through is stressing their mind so much so that the very uh, object of their focus is them. Lord, please help me through this. And why wouldn't we in a sense? Because once your leg has been slashed or your arm has been cut or you're suffering financially or you're going through a, uh, a relational stress very deep upon your li- in your life, And you're like, I need this fixed. I can't go forward. I can't do any better than I'm doing unless something is changed here. And the whole focus is, I want something for me. I want to be happy. I want to be relieved of pressure. And God's not the kind of God that says, I don't give a care about how you feel. But he's like, wait a second here. Who's running the show? I'm here For my sake and a greater will besides this, I want your marriage or your relationship or that person that you're having this argument with, I want it healed for a deeper reason. I want it to promote the the value and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want people that look at your marriage. I want people to see the way you act at work and around others. I want that to be a testimony for the glory of God. I want that to go back to my own name ultimately is what God's doing. And when it does, he says, I want to do a miracle on, for you so that it will promote the glory of God. And if we got that in mind, we wouldn't have to create a hype in our churches to get people interested in the miraculous. We wouldn't have to, because people would already know this belongs to the Lord. And I will tell you this, it is, it's human construction to fool ourselves in believing that we want something more for God than we do ourselves and God's going to have to dig deeper in order to get you to the place where you realize this is, this is still about me. Lord, I'm saying the words, but I'm not really valuing you. So Jesus, again, calling us to that place of obedient love. Humility always. I have to say this. Whenever God does something powerful and miraculous in your life, humility always follows. Or you will not see a continuation of God at work until you let humility be the number one. Oh, Lord, I haven't earned this. God, I don't deserve this. But oh, thank you, Jesus. You're so faithful. Remember, humility is not just you seeing your unworthiness, but always, always exalting Jesus Christ as supreme. Lord, you have been so faithful. Even of the things that I struggled over and didn't understand, you never Failed me once. That's humility. That invites God's miraculous blessing in our life. Amen? Okay, that's your sermon for today. I enjoyed sharing this with you guys. Such a blessing for your audience and your time and your heart. And I'm just grateful for the fruitfulness that God's going to create and build out of this in you guys. Again, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to this altar I'm going to give you an opportunity just to express your heart and obedient love to Jesus, however he's calling, He's ministering to you today and in this moment. I'd like for the worship team to come up. We're going to sing that song. I believe we're singing that song again. May